Welcome to Life Smithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. Today's topic is Does love of neighbor mean open borders? I've been thinking about this a lot. Not just open borders, but the whole immigration. And if I'm going to be charitable, I'll say conundrum, the immigration conundrum. If I'm going to be a little less charitable, I'm going to say immigration debacle because it is a debacle. We, in essence, have open borders. When you think of the thousands of illegal immigrants that are entering the country on a daily basis, unvetted because of current immigration laws. This is what's happening in the US. I've been thinking about this because at the same time this is happening, we're seeing a lot of commentary on the whole immigration debate from the USCCB, which is the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. They seem to be very pro-illegal immigration. So it causes confusion. And then we try to balance that with the fact that we know we're supposed to have love of our neighbor. St. John of the Cross said, in the evening of life, we shall be judged by love alone. St. Vincent de Paul says, to serve the poor is to serve Jesus. There are countless quotes that emphasize how important it is for us to help those who are in need. In the dialogue, our Lord said to St. Catherine of Siena, I ask you to love me with the same love with which I love you. But for me, you cannot do this, for I love you without being loved. Whatever love you have for me, you owe me. So you love me not gratuitously, but out of duty. While I love you not out of duty, but gratuitously. So you cannot give me the kind of love I ask of you. This is why I have put you among your neighbors, so that you can do for them what you cannot do for me. That is, Love them without any concern for thanks and without looking for any profit for yourself. And whatever you do for them, I will consider done for me. So it's clear by various biblical passages, saints from the saints, that we are to help those in need. So does that mean that we are to support illegal immigration? It's not such a simple question. We know that we have to observe the laws of the state. We understand that there are a lot of people in need in our own country. We understand there's a whole criminal industry around illegal immigration with the cartels, with trafficking, drug trafficking, trafficking of people. It's all corrupted. We understand that there are Catholic organizations that receive money for caring for immigrants. So since we're humans, we know there is opportunity for corruption there. So the situation is not so much black and white and that's why we grapple with it. I have some opinions about it, which I will share later, but I'm not so sure there is a right opinion. I'm not gonna tell you that you should go by what I believe. But I'm going to present certain facts to you and you make your own decision. 
When we come back, we'll take a look at what the United States Conference of Catholic Bishop has to say about illegal immigration. And then we'll look at the counter narrative to open borders. I want to pick up where we left off by talking about the common good. In the previous segment, we noticed that the document on Catholic social teaching says, even in the case of less urgent migrations, a developed nation's right to limit immigration must be based on justice, mercy, and the common good, not on self-interest. So let's talk about this common good. Are we supposed to be concerned first with what's happening to people in other countries? Or do we have an obligation? Does the government have an obligation to first take care of its own people? The reason that we have a government is to protect us. And what's happening is that because of the unchecked illegal immigration, we have all sorts of things happening, crimes, communicable diseases, and all sorts of negative consequences. So I think that we need to, of course, be concerned about people in other countries. We have to love our neighbors, and that includes our neighbors in other countries. But that love doesn't mean that you have to have unchecked immigration, because what's happening then is that you're turning your country into the country that they're fleeing from. In the Catholic case against open borders, an article written by Crisis Magazine, it says, and I quote, in other words, authorities should be generous, but the extent to which they admit immigrants should respect the fundamental principle that legitimate authority seeks the common good of the governed. The responsibility of government to care for the community and the mutual obligations of citizens make immigration a bit like adoption. Adoption is a good and generous thing. And the well-being of the child up for adoption is important. But for parents, the well-being of the existing family is the first responsibility. End quote. So the existing family is made up of the people of the United States, the legal immigrants, and the citizens of the United States. It doesn't extend to the illegal immigrants of the United States. Now, there's a reason why we have immigration laws. There's a reason why there's a cap on who's allowed to enter, even though we take tons of immigrants into the country. Some of the immigrations by lotteries, they're allowed to come in and build a better life. And then we have immigration of those people who bring some kind of talent to the country that can help the country get better. Full disclosure, I am an immigrant from Haiti. I came to the United States when I was three and a half. My mom came first and then she was able to bring my grandmother and myself. And then I became a citizen when I turned 12. So I understand the plight 
of certain immigrants that are fleeing their countries. However, a country has a right to have its laws. It has to have laws. Otherwise, you just have pure chaos like you have now. Do you know there were laws that said that if you're coming into a country and you have communicable diseases, you could not enter in until that situation was handled? Well, now people are coming in and they're being released after 20 days and there's not enough time to even test for diseases. So the common good that we have to be concerned about at this point is the common good of the legal residents of the United States. Let's look at Catechism 1903. Authority is exercised legitimately only when it seeks the common good of the group concern and if it employs morally licit means to attain it. If rulers would enact unjust laws or take measures contrary to the moral order, such arrangements would not be binding and conscious. In such a case, authority breaks down completely and results in shameful abuse. So the question is, does a nation have a right to control its borders? And the only way you can control your borders is to enact laws that limit immigration. Does a nation have the right to decide what type of immigrants it wants to bring in? Now, if you only brought in people who were highly educated and who had money, that would not be morally good because you do have to care about those who don't have and who want a chance who knows what they can become? There are a lot of immigrants that come to the U.S. with nothing and they go to school and they become scientists, doctors, construction workers, architects. They develop all kinds of skills which actually improves the United States. So you should have that kind of immigration as well. But again, does a nation have a right to control its borders? I'm really not sure why there's such a debate over illegal immigration because there are laws. And you know, Jesus said the poor will always be with us. We can try our best to help poor people, but that doesn't mean that we have to absorb all the poor people of the world. Catholic Answers took a look at this question in an article entitled, A Nation Has a Right to Control Its Borders. And I'm going to quote, Political authorities for the sake of the common good for which they are responsible may make the exercise of the right to immigrate subject to various juridical conditions, especially with regard to the immigrants' duties toward their country of adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect with gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them, to obey its laws, and to assist in carrying civic burdens. We're going to discuss later on the gratitude and the respect for the material and spiritual heritage of the country. It continues, Refugee crises caused by war, famine, and other economic devastation cannot be addressed by demanding that other countries open their borders without due consideration to the common good of their own nations. Efforts must be made to address the conditions in the refugees' homeland that led to the desire to migrate in the first place. Immigration policy, then, must balance the country's duty to advance a common good of its nation with the duty to help others in need while ensuring that those who are actually allowed to immigrate are treated with the dignity inherent to all human beings. That was a Catholic Answers article written in 2017. Things have changed so quickly since then. I feel like everyone is moving towards the left and not really thinking. 
It's becoming a social justice thing. Unfortunately, a lot of Catholics are social justice warriors. They basically mirror the left in all their beliefs and their religion, basically. The way that we're able to help other countries is to build a strong nation and then to be able to go into the countries. You have missionaries, you have the Catholic Church in other countries that provide help to those who need help. The way to help other people is not to absorb all the world's poor and now the United States can't even help itself. So the United States, if we have a weak United States, how can a weak United States help a weak nation? We need to be strong, right? So I want to look at the dark side of immigration because a lot of people ignore the negative consequences of immigration. So let's look at diversity. You know, people always say we're a nation of immigrants and we are. But in the past, when people immigrated, they also assimilated. Because you didn't have millions and millions coming every year, you were able to pace the immigration so that a group would come in and they were patriotic, they loved America, and they would learn English, they would learn the culture, and they would also add a little bit of their culture. So they would enhance our culture by adding a little something different, whether it's food, mannerisms, but they wanted so much to be American that they assimilated and they became Americans. Now what's happening is that you have people coming in at such a rate, they have no time and no need to assimilate. Because if you live in a community where you have thousands and thousands of people who speak the same language as you, what need is there to assimilate? You don't need to learn English. And then you have hospitals and schools giving you bilingual education. So you don't really need to assimilate. So what happens? If millions of people are coming to a country and they have a different culture, what's going to happen is that they eventually are going to change the culture of the country and not necessarily for the best. I live in Metro Detroit and I remember I went to a mall and this is Michigan and I went to a mall and it seemed like every other woman was an Arab. Now, I'm not saying this to be prejudiced against Arabs. Of course not. We love everyone, right? But their culture is different. So if you have 500 Arabs immigrating, for example, in a month, they have a chance to assimilate and to learn American culture and to adapt. But if you have tens of thousands a month coming in, they form a community and they don't need to adapt. And then they start to insist that our culture changes to accommodate them. A few years back, there was, I remember there was this whole hoopla about a subways in an Arab area. I don't remember where it was, where they were told, the subways manager was told, we don't want you to offer pork. I want, we want you to not include pork in your menu. And be, that's because the area was mostly Muslim. And I don't remember what happened with that, if they did or they didn't do it. But, you know, it was a story. That just illustrates the point of how when you have 
a large mass of people will, who have not assimilated, they're going to want to change their culture. So that's one thing with the diversity. It's good to be multicultural. I love my Haitian culture, Haitian food, Haitian music. But, you know, I love American culture too. And American culture naturally tends to change a little bit due to the people who immigrate. I mean, look at pizza, spaghetti. It's a part of American culture now because of the Italians who immigrated before. Look at Chinese food. Americans eat so much Chinese food because of the Chinese that immigrated. So that's naturally going to happen. You don't have to force it. But if you have large amounts of people coming, you're going to force cultural change that we may not necessarily want. Another question is, how in the world can the U.S. handle the population of the world's poor? It just cannot. In 2017, there was a Gallup poll that asked people, would you like to move to another country if you had the chance? And more than 70, 50 million people said they would. Now, they didn't interview 750 million people. They, you know, they, they took a sample and they were able to estimate that. I'm sure a large percentage want to come to the U.S. It's just impossible. We will not be able to help people if we have no more resources. Right? Let's look at another dark side of immigration. Human trafficking. Now, if you're an open borders type, you might say, well, if you open the border, then there won't be trafficking. I'm sorry, that can't happen. We just cannot absorb all the world's poor. So there are still laws, although they're not enforced as they should be. So human trafficking, according to the Victims of Trafficking and Violence Protection Act of 2000, this is how it's defined. A, sex trafficking, in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which a person induced to perform such act has not attained 18 years of age. Or B, recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or services through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjection to involuntary servitude, peonage, debt bondage for slavery. This is almost like indentured servitude. So someone wants to leave their country, and so they hook up with someone who can bring them here, and in return, they have to work for them. But what happens is that Either they're sold into sexual slavery, they have to perform sex acts and they get maybe a little room to live in with like eight people living in there. Maybe they get a little bit of money, I don't know. Or they fall into servitude, which involves work. So you might go to a restaurant and you see some people there working from another country. They probably make almost nothing. It's almost like slavery, right? So that's one thing that happens when you have illegal immigration you create the opportunity for other crimes to happen. What else happens with illegal immigration? This country now has a problem with opioids. A lot of Americans are getting addicted to opioids. And a lot of it comes through illegal immigration. Leftists like to say, oh, most of it comes through ports of entry. Does it matter? See, what's happened is because our immigration laws need fixing, almost everyone can apply for asylum which is not the case. Asylum was never supposed to be for economic hardship, but that's what's happening now. So because we haven't fixed our laws, everyone can just come up and say, I need asylum. And so they come in and some of them are carrying drugs, right? 
What else does illegal immigration do? Illegal immigration deprives Americans of jobs. Low-skill wage earners. Now, people like to say, well, Americans would never take these jobs anyway. Are you sure? Now, I don't have the reference for that, but I remember reading somewhere that with the new deportations that happened, suddenly employers had all these vacancies to fill. And guess who showed up for them? Americans. That's right. Americans. Some Americans are willing to work. And if they're not willing to work, it's only because they get government help. And so they feel like they don't need to work. But most people who are not getting government help, they want to work. So this Washington News article says, the Pew Research Center estimates that more than 7.5 million undocumented immigrants are in the U.S. labor force. Assuming their unemployment rate is roughly equal to the 3.7% national average, that means more than 7 million jobs are held by undocumented workers. That can't help but depress wages and opportunities for native-born Americans. As the Mississippi figures show, those victims of illegal immigration are often exactly the poor people of color whose continued poverty is a national tragedy. So if you have millions of undocumented immigrants, guess what happens? Employers take advantage of them. They pay them a little bit of money. See, this is how the market works. Let's say you have 100 jobs and you have 1,000 people showing up for it. You can maybe pay them $8 an hour. Whereas if you had 100 jobs and you only had let's say 150 people willing to take them, you might pay them a little more just so you can get those jobs filled, right? So this is how it depresses wages. Now, the other thing I want to talk about, and this is an uncomfortable statement, but look, we know that the church is holy and perfect, but the members of the church are not. And I should state that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is extremely pro-illegal immigration. But why is it? Is it because we're supposed to care for the poor or is there another reason? Let me read a quote from the Federalist magazine. By finding a political stance favorable to open borders, the USCCB protects the annual flow of hundreds of millions of federal monies to itself and such affiliates as Catholic Relief Services and Catholic Charities, more than 500 million in 2016. In addition to using tax dollars to support programs many taxpayers oppose, immigration is an income-producing issue at the diocesan level. As bishops struggle to maintain infrastructure, they have incentive to breathe divine purpose into practical politics. Our purpose is to help Catholics form their consciences in accordance with God's truth. I haven't done enough research to say whether this is true or not, but my inclination is to think that there is some truth to it because once you're receiving money, even for not-for-profits, you know, when not-for-profits receive money, they also pay salaries. They pay other things, right? All the money does not go for the help. So we can assume that if the USCCB is receiving tons, millions of dollars, some of it will be going to other things, whether it's under maintenance or whatever. We also know that a lot of parishes are not receiving a lot of money from parishioners anymore because parishioners are frankly disgusted with what's been going on with the current church crisis. So 
this is a way to keep the money flowing. I'm not saying that they don't mean well. I don't know their hearts, so I can't say that. But I can say something to think about that when you're receiving money, the minute that you're receiving money, there is opportunity for corruption. So as we grapple with this whole illegal immigration, what is my role in loving my neighbor? What I would recommend is that we think about other ways that we can help aside from just promoting open borders or what's almost like open borders. Look for organizations that you trust, that help people in other countries. And you know, if you want to go to Mexico and help people waiting in Mexico, I mean, you can always do that if you want to volunteer and do that. There's nothing wrong with that. I know Abby, that woman from Unplanned, what she did recently was she took a truck full of supplies and stuff and she went to the border to help to help out. And a lot of these people that were promoting open borders didn't even want to help. So you can always help people. You're helping human beings. But it doesn't mean that you have to support something that's illegal or something that, that might hurt your country. And that's all I have for today. Please let me know how you feel about this. Give me your opinion, comment on the website, lifesmithing.com. If you have a question or something you want me to cover, email me at Cynthia at lifesmithing.com. And I wish you all a blessed day. Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Life Smithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless.